1: This Sunday the 31st of October marks Reformation Sunday and whilst many in the world are delighting in celebrating all that is evil and dark and satanic, we're glad to celebrate those things that point to Christ and the Gospel. It is important to remember the history of redemption and how that God in his providence allowed for the recovery of the Gospel in the early years of the 16th century. 1517 is the year that marks the time that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door in Wittenberg and a mighty hammer blow was placed against the error of the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. And today, on this broadcast, I want to reflect upon some of those events. Again, not simply to mark a man or to mark history, but to mark the work of God. And so let's take some time to pray, to ask for God's blessing, and then I'll read something from the Word of God and we'll make our way forward in this program. Eternal God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace in this world and that through Christ there is redemption and even the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for his work in the shedding of his blood and we pray you bless this broadcast to all of our hearts Help us again to consider the things of God for the glory and honour of Christ's name. Amen. In the word of God in the book of Acts in the 26th chapter, Paul relates to Agrippa something of his ministry and he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not, a, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. I've already said that it is vital for us to mark the events surrounding the Protestant Reformation. The events at that time are events that indeed directs and has modified our subsequent history. The rediscovery of the core of the gospel is crucial. That at that time there was the recognition that a man is justified and accepted by God through faith alone. There was the renewed affirmation that the Bible alone should be our rule of faith and practice. Not the Bible plus church tradition, not the Bible plus new revelations, but the Bible given to us through the prophets and the apostles. The Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible as the rule of faith and practice. And so the gospel was rediscovered. The authority of the Bible was rediscovered. And so Martin Luther, in nailing the theses to the door in Wittenberg, was nailing a hammer blow to many errors. I wonder how many of you have read the 95 statements that were nailed to that church door. Well, the first few are remarkable in themselves. And they do epitomise much of what was the subsequent spirit of the Reformation. Let me read to you the first four of the 95 Theses. Number one, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, Matthew four seventeen, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Number two, this word cannot be understood as referring to the sacrament of penance That is, confession and satisfaction as administered by the clergy. Number three, yet it does not mean solely inner repentance. Such inner repentance is worthless unless it produces various outward mortification of the flesh. Number four, repentance and sorrow, i.e. true penance, endure as long as a man is displeased with himself. That is, until he passes from this life into eternity. Now, we understand that at this point in history, 1517, Martin Luther is developing his theology. He's increasing his understanding of the things of the Bible and indeed the work of Christ. But he does raise some very significant issues here. In the language he uses, he's indicating the importance that Christians go back to the original text. At that time, the church was really using the Latin Vulgate A Bible that was hidden to the masses um, was only given really to those few who had learned Latin. The Latin Vulgate, when it translated the Greek word metanoia, used the terms do penance. And Luther is saying, no, the word indicates repentance. Not an act of penance, not an act that you do in some external fashion, but this matter of repentance. Repentance. In so doing, he attacks the sacramentalism of the Roman Catholic Church. That penance and confession was something administered by the clergy. And penance as, an act, uh, as a sacramental act would in some way secure favour with God. He attacks the worldliness and the sin that marked the church. Luther, in, on a visit to Rome, was greatly offended as he saw the opulence and the immorality that marked much of the clergy in Rome. And so Luther is renewing a biblical understanding of the doctrine of repentance. And out of the Protestant Reformation came several important doctrines. But the doctrine of repentance is one that is often neglected and one that needs sounded afresh today. Repentance, not an act of penance, not a mark of external reformation, not a one-time confession, but a repentance that turns from sin unto Christ and a repentance that marks a life transformation in the things of God. We often focus at the time of reformation on the doctrine of justification, that as a man is accepted, justified, declared righteous, not for their own acts of righteousness, but for that of Christ alone. And rightly so, we emphasize Luther's declaration from the Bible, that a man is justified by faith alone in Christ alone. But when Luther identified the false teaching regarding justification, he also analysed and identified false teaching regarding repentance. That a man is justified by a repentant faith, not by doing penance. Indeed, as Luther studied the word, he saw that the church was wrong regarding repentance, that Repentance was not a one-off act, nor an act of personal penance, but a radical change of mind. Repentance in the Bible was a change of mind leading to an almighty transformation of the life. Luther taught, indeed the Bible teaches, that repentance is both radical and perpetual. It is an ongoing matter. Repentance is shown in all areas of life for the whole of the Christian life. So let me note those two things in the time that remains in this broadcast. First of all, please note with me that repentance is radical. It is a radical repentance. The New Testament words that are used for repentance both indicate change. Uh, Metanoia is the more common word and it does indicate a change of mind. In other words, a, a turning. We see an associated word here in Acts chapter 26. As Paul describes his ministry, he says that they should repent and turn and turn to God. And so therefore we see this idea of turning and changing of mind in the biblical teaching of repentance. And in summary form, we should appreciate that man is active in repentance. It is man that turns. It is man's work. But man is enabled to do this work and to turn only by grace. When Peter was recounting the events in Cornelius' house and he reports those events to the other believers in Jerusalem, they delight when they hear these things and they glorify God, saying, That hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Repentance is a gift from God. God gives us the grace in order that we can repent. And so it is, yes, man's work, but it is man's work by the grace of God. It is an internal work. Luther would say to his colleague Stuypist, I venture to say they are wrong who make more of the act in Latin than of the change of heart in the Greek. Repentance is an internal matter and it is indispensable. The fact that Paul preaches repentance indicates that it was necessary It had to be communicated. People had to be told that they were to repent. It's significant that the resurrected Christ, when he opens the disciples' understanding, that they would understand the scriptures, tells them, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so as the Lord unpacks the scriptures and how the scriptures teach regarding himself, his suffering and his resurrection, he also involves that out of his work, there was the necessity that repentance would be preached. And not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, that all nations were to hear of their responsibility to repent from their sins. That is the gospel, repentance unto remission. Hence repentance must be understood. It must be preached. People must be clear in their minds about what sin is. That sin is against the law of God. And that sin it really involves people walking in a direction that is against the ways of God and they must turn. And so when we think of this matter of repentance as being radical, let me point out two very brief things. First of all, repentance involves a change of mind. That is at the root of the word. Oh, today's battleground is a battleground for the mind. Those who are against the things of God, those pursuing a liberal moral agenda, are seeking to uh, infiltrate the minds of young people. Telling them that the things of God are, are not the right things, but the things of this world are the right things. Oh, the battle, the battle for people's minds is a fierce battle. And the Lord himself says in Isaiah 55, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And so in the call to repentance There is the recognition that man's thoughts are not God's thoughts. And so for a man to turn to God is to admit his thinking is wrong. He's wrong regarding his judgments regarding sin. He's wrong regarding the judgments he's made regarding righteousness. Our thoughts, our minds must change to be conformed to God's thoughts regarding sin and self. And so repentance arises due to a hatred of sin. There is a hatred of sin. That arises as our minds are changed regarding our thoughts regarding God and sin. There is a remorse that comes from uh, getting found out. There's a remorse that may come because of the consequence of the actions of our sin. But true repentance comes out of a hatred of sin itself. It is a godly sorrow that worketh repentance to salvation in the language of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 true repentance comes to hate sin not only hate the consequence of sin comes to hate sin as that which is against god the change of mind brings about that hatred whereby there is therefore this matter of repentance that follows a change of mind followed by a change of direction this is a well-known way to understand repentance it is a 180 degree turn Repentance, according to Paul in Acts chapter 16, involves this matter of turning. That they should repent and turn to God. Repent and turn to God. Repentance is whereby the sinner leaves sin. But the sinner leaves sin as they are confident of God's mercy. Paul elsewhere described his teaching as testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance hates sin and leaves sin, but leaves sin and turns towards God. The one who repents is confident of God's mercy. Repentance is not just remorse. It is joined with faith in the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. And so the Thessalonikas are described as having turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Repentance is is not just remorse and running from sin, but it is running from sin to refuge in God through Christ. True repentance always comes alongside faith. We turn from sin unto God and Christ. Hence Christ himself preached... That we should repent and believe the gospel. That these things come together in a man's conversion unto salvation. Sometimes salvation is received by faith. Other times it is by repentance in the language of the Bible. But they both come together. We turn from sin unto Christ. And so we are saved. So we are justified. Luther understood that this repentance was a change. A change of mind. A change of mind regarding sin but also an understanding of the gospel that the just shall live by faith it is a radical repentance and secondly it is a perpetual practice a radical repentance and a, re- and a perpetual practice today in the minds of many repentance is a one-time act it may involve emotional conviction it may involve an unpleasant feeling uh, that we're glad to get over Rather, in the Bible, repentance begins in a moment but continues to the end. The direction is turned. A sinner turns away from sin towards God and they set out on a whole new walk. John the Baptist is well known for teaching repentance. He goes into all the country about Jordan, Luke chapter 3, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And as he taught repentance, he says to those hearers, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. There was the understanding that repentance in the heart, the internal work of repentance, would bring an external transformation of life. You see, when you grasp that repentance arises out of a hatred for sin, then it makes sense that the life of the repentant will be radically different. The Lord speaks of the fruits of repentance. Hatred for sin leads to a love for righteousness. The Psalm 97 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Those who love Christ, they hate evil. They're, They're not going to delight in the continuation of a life of evil. Rather, the life of repentance will be a life of continually hating evil and putting evil away. It is true of the believer. In John, in first John chapter one, that they may have to confess their sins, that the true believer may still battle with sin. And so if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the true believer may at times confess sin. Surely that also indicates that this matter of repentance is an ongoing matter. It's a perpetual practice. There is the continuation of confession of sin. Furthermore, Paul will say to believers in Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 13 If you live after the flesh, ye shall die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And there's an ongoing mortification, an ongoing Putting to death of sin. So the repentant believer, they hate sin, and yet they still practice sin. And as they practice sin, they confess sin. As they practice sin, they mortify sin. These are terms that indicate ongoing acts of repentance. That repentance is not a once and for all act, it is a beginning in conversion, but it continues in a life of sanctification of hating sin, of confessing sin, and of mortifying sin. And these these acts, these fruits, will continue as long as there is sin in our souls. And that is, of course, until the time of our death or until the time of Christ's return. Paul would say, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And so repentance starts in a moment of time and continues until perfection. Why? Because we hate sin. And sin doesn't disappear. Hence Luther would describe repentance. As being in the entire life. Of the believer. And yet more. There are times in our Christian experience. Where we have to renew repentance. In seasons of sin and backsliding. It is interesting that when the Lord speaks to the churches. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3. That he tells four of those churches to repent. Ephesus. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. Pergamos, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly. Sardis, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. The Laodiceans, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Here are churches, groups of believers who have fallen back into sin in various ways. And the Lord tells them, in light of their sin, that they must repent. And so, when we think of Reformation Day, as we mark again the work of Luther and the Reformation, we remind ourselves afresh that repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, a going away from that direction that sent us against Christ and heading now to Christ and away from sin. So, I want to really encourage you today. Think about the work of God in the Reformation. Thank the Lord for the rediscovery of gospel truth. That we are not under the blindness of a Latin Bible, but we have the Word of God in our own language, that we can read and understand the work of Christ and our obligation to repent. But beyond considering the work of the Reformation, contemplate the nature of christ's work he came into this world his name was jesus that he would save his people from their sins not save them in their sins but from their sins his work was to deliver us from all of the consequence of the fall and so it is unthinkable for any believer to be content in their sin Rather, those who come to love Christ and his work are those who hate sin and gladly and willingly and continually run away from sin. We must be honest. The Bible shows us that true believers at times will fall into sin. David fell into the sin of adultery and murder. Peter denied the Lord and indeed later denied the gospel and rebuked by the apostle Paul. When we sin, we wound ourselves, we wound our peace. There is that barrier in that sweet communion with the Lord, we grieve the Spirit of God. And so when we consider Christ and his work, it drives us to repentance. When we consider sin in our lives, it drives us to repentance. One person has said, in answer to the question, should we continue to repent? He says, we do not sow, Because our future sins are not forgiven. But so that we might not presume upon that grace. That we might rejoice in our forgiveness. Let us all, however, also continue to repent for our unbelief in his grace. When God says, I forgive you and I love you. To respond, I don't believe you is pure folly. To respond, I am not worthy is to belabor the obvious. To respond, thank you. Is to grasp the good news. Oh the gospel is indeed good news. I speak to all of you today and I offer to you again the fullness of redemption that is found in Christ Jesus. He is the only saviour and he is the suitable saviour. And he is the saviour that is accepted by the father in such a way that if we call upon him we indeed will be saved. But as we call upon him, we must recognize that we leave our sins. Our sins, they render us guilty before God and they break our fellowship with God. And so today I ask you the simple question, have you believed in Christ? And as you ask that question of yourself, ask yourself the question, does my faith in Christ include repentance, repentance from my sin? that I hate sin, I love Christ, I run from sin, I run to Christ. If you can say, yes, I believe in Christ and I hate my sin, then you have the blessed assurance that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and indeed the just shall live by faith. At this time, the world marks all that is sinful They delight in sin and darkness and wickedness. But at the same time, we delight in a gospel that delivers us from that sin, that delivers us from darkness and sets us free to live in the light of the glory of God. May God be pleased to encourage your hearts today. And as you walk in the path of righteousness, as you walk in the midst of great sin, may our eyes look to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's close together in a word of prayer. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this time to consider your word. We rejoice, O oh Lord, in your word. It is truth. Uh, may your word guide and direct our minds today. I pray for all who listen to this broadcast. I think of those perhaps listening into the podcast later on. And we ask, O oh God, that in all of these things, in all of these means, your people will be led into righteousness and those who do not know Christ would come to know Him and to love Him. We pray these things, O oh Lord, for Your glory. It is our desire that this sinful world would be turned to righteousness. We pray, O oh Lord, that many who love sin now would come to love Christ. We pray for the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon our churches. Revive us, O oh God, revive Thy work, we pray. Do us good, we ask of Thee, that the gospel will go forward and that Christ would be glorified and that sinners will be converted and saints edified for the honor and glory of Christ's name. We do pray these things. Amen.